0: Hello everyone. I'm Jonathan Schuler and welcome to the Fortress of Truth. Thank you so much for joining today. God loves you and I know that he has great things in store for your life. Today we're going to continue looking in the word of God at the phrase verily, verily. We began this study last time looking at some passages that Jesus emphasized but with the phrase, verily, verily. There are 25 of these passages, and we're going to be looking at the second and third passages today. They're found in John chapter 3, and that's where we're going to begin. John chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now just a little bit of background here. The Pharisees were a group of religious teachers that lived in Israel at the time of Jesus, and they were very strict. They taught that you needed to keep the letter of the law to the T, and they were very expressive in their keeping of the law. They were very proud that they were keeping the law, at least keeping it in the letter. But Jesus would later expose them in his ministry as hypocrites, because while they did indeed look good on the outside, on the inside, they were all puffed up and very prideful. They would look down their noses at everybody else and say, oh, well, I'm better than you are because I keep the law and you don't. Then Jesus would teach that it was about the heart, not necessarily about the outward actions, but what God cared about was the heart. What is your heart motivation for doing what you do? However, this man named Nicodemus was different than a lot of the Pharisees in his day. Verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Many of the Pharisees didn't believe that Jesus was sent from God. Many of them believed he was even a false teacher, and they tried to eliminate him and squash out his teaching. However, Nicodemus has a heart for God, and he can tell that Jesus is indeed sent from God. And he calls him rabbi, which means teacher, Our equivalent today might be reverend. We call certain ministers reverend so-and-so. He comes to him and he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Verse three, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is interesting. It appears that Jesus doesn't even pay attention to what Nicodemus just said to him. Jesus jumps track completely and starts talking about something else. Again, Jesus was following the leading of the Father, and he was sensitive to what really needed to be talked about here. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. No matter how good you are on the outside, Nicodemus, you have to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He gives the example of the wind. And he says, it blows wherever it wants to. And you hear the sound of the leaves rustling in the trees and you hear the rush of the wind, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. And he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus was very clear in his statement No one can see or enter the kingdom of God unless they have been born again. He says in verse 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then again in verse 5, he says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now what does it mean to be born again? Nicodemus was curious about this same thing and he was trying to figure it out in his natural understanding. Can a man be enter the second time into his mother's womb when he's old and then be born again? And Jesus explains here what he means in verse five. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be born again. In order to understand this, we need to understand some other things that the Bible teaches about us as human beings. We have three parts to our being. The Bible describes them as spirit, soul, and body. And we see these referenced all three together in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Paul says, I pray that the Lord God sanctify you wholly, that means the whole part of you, spirit, soul, and body. Now, our body is the easiest part of us to identify. It's the part that we can see. It's our hands, our feet, our face, all of these things. That's our body. We're all pretty well in tune with our body, and we understand what that is. Our soul is a little bit different. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, your brain is a physical organ that's part of your body. So your brain is part of your body. It's not your mind. It's different, your mind is different than your brain. Your mind functions through your brain. In fact, if it were possible to remove your brain and you still be alive, you would still have your mind. You just wouldn't be able to express it in the natural world. Your mind expresses itself through your brain, and then your brain controls your body. Scientists can study the different lobes and regions of the brain, and they can identify the electrical synapses that occur there in between the nerve cells that control various functions of the body. But no one can grab a hold of thoughts or emotions. You can't observe a thought under a microscope, or you can't hold love in a test tube. That's because these things come from our soul, which is separate from our body. We describe thoughts and emotions as abstract. In other words, we can't really put our finger on them. We can put our finger on our hand, we can put our finger on our head, but we can't put our hand on a thought and we can't put it on an emotion. They're just feelings they're thoughts, they're abstract, we say. However, they're still very real, and they come from our soul. Now the third part of us is our spirit. Our spirit is the real us. I heard someone say, if you cut off my finger, that's not me. If you cut off my hand, that's not me. If you cut off my arm, that's not me. He said now, if you keep keep on whittling, you'll eventually get to me. but the body isn't the real us. If I look at you and I see your brown hair and your or your blue eyes, that's not really you. that's your body. If you share with me your innermost feelings or your thoughts, or opinions about a certain thing. That's not the real you either. That's your soul. The real you is your spirit. Our spirit is what gives life to our body and our soul. James 2, talking about faith and corresponding actions, it says, even as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead. Our spirit is what gives life to our body and to our soul. The Bible defines our spirit in several different ways, including the inward man. It uses that phrase in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, for example. It also uses the phrase, the hidden man of the heart. That's in 1 Peter 3, 4. This is the part of us that Jesus is addressing when he says that we must be born again. Jesus said that if we want to enter the kingdom of God, we must be born of water, that is natural physical birth into the world, and we must be born of the spirit. Born of the spirit means it's referring to our spirit, the inward man, the hidden man of the heart, the real us. Now, why would we need to be born in the Spirit? Let's look over at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, Once you were dead... Because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us up, for He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. There's a lot to cover here in this passage. He talks about being dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. We used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, and we were obeying the devil. And the devil is the one who's working in the hearts Of all those who refuse to obey God. So, we don't want to give any place to the devil. So, we need to not refuse to obey God. We need to choose instead to submit ourselves unto God and follow His leadership. When God created the world, He made Adam and Eve as the very first humans. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 1 as well as Genesis chapter 2. However, God gave them a commandment to not eat of a certain tree. And the devil came along in the form of a serpent and tempted them, and they broke God's commandment. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 3. As soon as they sinned, They died spiritually. Now, did they fall over dead in the natural? No. The Bible says that Adam lived 930 years in total. Many of those years were after he sinned. So, no, they didn't fall over dead naturally. Their body didn't die as soon as they ate of the tree. Rather, they died spiritually They were separated from God spiritually. Now, he still communicated with them, and he still gave them instructions for living life, but they were no longer in right standing with God. They could no longer do what pleased God on their own. Now, everyone that is descended from Adam is born with that same rebellious sinful nature that he took upon himself when he sinned in the garden. And since they were the first human beings, all of us are naturally descended from them. So each one of us is born with that rebellious, sinful nature in our heart. There's nothing that we can do about it. We're born that way. All of the good deeds in the world won't change that sinful nature. It doesn't matter if you do everything perfectly. That heart separation from God is still there. And when you die, you won't be united with the Lord. You'll be separated from Him. But because God loves us so much, He couldn't just sit by and leave us in that sinful state. He couldn't leave us being out of right standing with him. So he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to die on our behalf. And then after Jesus died, God raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus purchased redemption for the whole world. And this redemption is available to anyone and everyone who will accept it. Jesus came and he made a way for us to be spiritually reunited with the Lord. And when we accept the redemption that Jesus purchased for us, this is what it means to be born spiritually. Our spirit was dead. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our sins. We were dead. Because of our sinful nature. Now we were walking around, our body was alive, but our spirit was separated from God. Our spirit couldn't be in right standing with God because of our sinful nature. However, when we accept Jesus, we accept the sacrifice that He made for us, then Our spirit is reunited with the Lord and we are born again. Oh yes, we were born naturally and we were alive naturally in the physical. Our body was alive. But then our spirit is born and becomes alive. That's what it means to be born again. I know my own testimony. I was born again when I was four years old. Now you might say, oh, four years old, you don't know what you're doing. I did know what I was doing. I understood that I wanted to accept Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. And so I did that at four years old. I was sitting in my mom and dad's kitchen And we were watching Billy Graham on TV. And when he gave the invitation and invited people to come accept Jesus, they put the number up on the screen like they do. And they said, if you would like to accept Jesus, call this number. And so I told my mom that I wanted to accept Jesus into my heart. And so she knelt down there. We had some steps going from the kitchen into the dining room. So we knelt down there on those steps and she prayed with me and helped me to accept Jesus and invite him into my heart. So then I called the number and I told him that I accepted Jesus and and made that decision. At that moment, I was born again. Now, I had been born naturally four years before. I was four years old. But at that moment, my spirit was born. At that moment, my spirit became alive unto God. And my spirit was put in right fellowship with God and right standing with him. Now, what happens when we do this? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we're born again, our spirit is made completely new in Christ. We're no longer the same person we were before. Now, our body doesn't change. If you had brown hair before you were born again, you'll have brown hair after you were born again. If you were tall or short before you were born again, that's the way you'll be afterwards. Our body doesn't change, and our soul doesn't immediately change either. If you thought a certain way and understood certain things before you were born again, the moment after you're born again, your mind is going to be exactly the same. Your emotions are gonna be exactly the same. However, in the spirit, our old nature is done away with, and now all things are become new. This can't happen by behavior modification. This can't be you just deciding that you're going to be different. This stems from the heart. If you have a plant and you take all the leaves off of that plant, but you leave the stalk, it's going to come right back. It may take it a little while, but it'll grow back. If you took all the leaves off and you cut all the branches off, you even cut the stalk down at the ground, it may take it quite a while but eventually it will most likely return. However, if you take a shovel or a hoe, and you dig that thing up from the roots, and you don't leave anything left, there's no way that plant could come back. Why is that? Because you got it from the roots. And then if you plant something different there, it's going to be completely different because it's a different root. That's the way it is when we're born again spiritually. Our old nature, our sinful nature, the one that we got from Adam, is done away with. We don't have it anymore. And instead, 2 Peter 1 tells us that we have the divine nature of God put in our spirit. Now, does this mean that we can go out and be perfect? Well, it depends on whether you renew your mind, change the way you think, and yield to your body. If you yield to your feelings and adopt the attitude that, if it feels good, let's do it, then you're not going to live according to that divine nature that's in your spirit. However, if we choose to take the Word of God and change the way we think, to be in line with the word of God and let the word of God determine our actions, our words, our responses, then we will see that divine nature, that love of God come flowing out of our spirit in our natural life. That's what happened in the spirit. That's what it means to be born again. Finally, let's look at Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, beginning with verse 8, and I'm reading this out of the modern English version. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you have never made the decision to be born again, if you've never chosen to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, I invite you to do that today. Don't delay. Some some might say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. No, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, choose you this day, not tomorrow, this day, whom you will serve. And it also says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let me help you to call. If you would, pray this out loud where you can hear it. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died on the cross and I believe you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice and I make you the Lord of my life. And as you help me, I will follow after you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that for the very first time, let me be the first to welcome you into the kingdom of God. You are now a child of the almighty creator of the universe. You have been born again. No matter how old your body is, your spirit is a brand new creation. The old sinful nature has been done away with, and now you have the divine nature of God in your heart. Now, I encourage you to get connected with other believers, find a good Bible-based church, and put God first in your life, study His Word, hear what He has to say to you, and let that change the way you think, and start living your life according to the Word of God. I guarantee you, He will take you places that you have never dreamed because He has amazing plans for you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, be sure to subscribe and follow us so that you never miss an episode of The Fortress of Truth. And I encourage you to share this with your friends and family. Let other people know about it. And I hope you join us again next time as we continue seeing what the Lord has for us in his word. God bless you and have a blessed, prosperous, victorious day in Jesus' name.